Let us turn in God's Word today to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7, but the sermon will actually only be on verse 6 today. doesn't necessarily mean it's any shorter, <laughs> just so you know. Well, let's, let's hear what God has to say. We, we looked at the first five verses last week, and we'll, we'll kind of go over that briefly in the sermon, but... In verse 6, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is God's holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, life-giving, wonderful word. May He write it on our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, may the word of God come in power today. Lord, and that power must be from your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that through this word today, uh, you would stir us up uh, within and that we might live holy, consecrated lives for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So remember, if you were here last week, that Paul wrote this final epistle to Timothy, the last epistle that he would write uh, at all, and he wrote it from a Roman prison, uh, and it was more like a dungeon, it was not a nice place, but he was awaiting execution. It was at the end of his life, and uh, Timothy was often on his mind. In verse 3, he says, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And he was about to leave the scene of history. He was concerned for Timothy to carry on after he was gone. He would have more leadership responsibility. No, he would not become an apostle uh, because the apostles ceased to be when they died. But Timothy would be a leader. And Timothy uh, had true and genuine faith. And he was called by Paul to, to, to pass on the true faith. Uh, to the next generation, to the church. And uh, since Timothy had this sincere faith, this genuine faith, uh, he proved that faith to be true because he lived a sacrificial life. Uh, He followed in Paul's steps. He lived a life for Christ. You know, a lot of people today, especially in the South, uh, say that they believe in Jesus. You know, Timothy had a sincere faith, a genuine faith. But I'm not sure that a lot of people, some that not, that everyone has a genuine faith that says they do. We, we know that's true. Um, sincerity of our profession must be proven out by changed lives. So Paul had no doubts about Timothy's faith. And so he is building now, he, he establishes that fact that he has this genuine faith. And he says, now, based upon the reality of, of your faith in Jesus Christ, Timothy, uh, you need to do these things. You see, without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. So if you want to benefit from the rest of 2 Timothy, uh, you need to make certain that your faith is the real thing, uh, that you have been born again by the Spirit of God, that you know Christ, and you know you know Him. On the basis of... Uh, of Timothy's faith in Christ and the fact that anyone who believes in Christ, you see the Spirit of God indwells them. On that basis, 
Paul could say to Timothy, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, uh, which is in you. You cannot stir up that which you do not possess. And if Christ lives in you as a Christian here today, then you have a basis uh, for heeding what Paul has to say in in verses 6 and following. But Paul's main uh, point is here today is that Timothy, and by implication, all believers need to to fan into flame. That's what literally it means to stir up, is to fan into flame what they have received from God. Uh, And Paul reminds him, he says, stir it up, stir up the gift. And what gift is he talking about? Well, I think mainly he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, but, but specifically, that's generally speaking true of all of us. Specifically, he says, this gift that was in you through the laying on of my hands. Uh, He's referring to the gift uh, of ministry, the gift of preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel. And and in Timothy's case, it was being the gift, he had the gift of being a pastor teacher. In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul mentions certain gifts of leadership. And he says, Christ gave some to be apostles. Some to be evangelists, some prophets, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Timothy was called to equip the body of Christ so that the body of Christ, the people of God, uh, could be engaged in their own ministry. And that gift of uh, that calling uh, to be a pastor, that gift was confirmed by the laying on of hands of not only of the Apostle Paul, but the other elders who participated in his ordination service. Because if you go to 1 Timothy 4.14, you read, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Or the presbytery is what it is, literally. You know, we talk about... Presbyterian Presbyterianism it simply uh, comes from the Greek word for the elders. Timothy's gift came with the laying on of hands of the eldership. There's a difference of opinion uh, as to what well, was the gift conferred by the laying on of hands or was it simply confirmed by the laying on of hands? And it, there may have been a little bit of both, but either way, the point is that God, in His sovereign grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit equips Timothy for the work that he has called him to. And um, Paul and the elders would have certainly recognized uh, the spiritual gift and gifts that that Timothy had uh, already uh, present in him before they laid hands on him. They wouldn't have laid hands on him if he didn't have some, uh, you know, demonstration of the gifts of God already. Uh, And that's how it works in the church today. Someone believes that they're called to the ministry. uh, That doesn't mean that they are, just because they believe that. Uh, They also need to uh, have the church, especially the elders of the church, to recognize the gift of preaching and teaching, uh, you know, in that individual. And so then, if the two come together and, and a church issues a call recognizing the gift, then the presbytery lays hands to confirm the calling and the gift to preach. Well, uh, you're not all called to preach uh, here today, not in the same sense that I am or that Timothy was, but 
Every believer has certain talents and gifts that the Spirit of God has given them. And every believer has the Holy Spirit, who is the gift uh, of all. Every, every other gift comes and flows from the gift of the Spirit who dwells in us. And, and so you may have one or more uh, gifts of the Spirit. If you look at the different lists in Scripture of gifts, uh, they're not all speaking gifts. They're serving gifts. There are other gifts that uh, aren't doing what I'm doing today. But um, the Holy Spirit, first of all, uh, he does many things for us and in us and, and through us. But first of all, he regenerates us. He gives us, he creates a new heart. He makes us new creations. Uh, and, and so we, of course, are converted this happens at conversion. We put our faith in Christ. But he also causes us to grow uh, to spiritual maturity in Christ. He causes us to bear the fruit of his spirit. And uh, he gives us power to witness. We'll talk more about that next week. And he gives to each believer at least one spiritual gift that uh, enables us to serve Christ in, a, in our own unique way within the body of Christ and also in the world. But... Do you have any idea what your spiritual gift might be? Um, well, whether you, whether you do or whether you don't, let me ask you this. Are you, do you have any idea in terms of awareness that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Is that something that, that, that you're aware of in your Christian life on a regular, daily basis? We should be. We should be aware of the fact that He lives within us and that through him, uh, through Christ, we can do all things. We can do whatever God calls us to do and certainly whatever he commands us to do. Paul says, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you. And as I said, you know, and the ESV translates it, fan into flame the gift of God. That's what the, the, uh, what the original language actually is saying. Another translation says, keep ablaze the gift of God. And obviously the picture is of a fire. We haven't uh, lit too many fires in our homes uh, lately, right? But we will in a couple months be doing that. And uh, we know what happens to fire when you don't tend it. When you leave it alone, it eventually dies back, it cools off, and it will go out. And we're all familiar with the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation when he speaks to the church in Laodicea. And he says, um, you know, I, 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 he rebukes them for being lukewarm. He said, I wish you were cold or hot. And of course, he means he really wants us to be hot, to be on fire. And I may have shared this before with you all, but this particular verse was brought home to me in Revelation, you know, where Christ says, I wish you were hot or cold, and if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And, and there was a preacher in chapel. We were required to go to chapel in those days at Anderson uh, College, it was called then. And he preached on this text, and, and this man who was preaching was on fire himself for the Lord. And if you had asked me, I, I grew up in church, I would have said, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Um, but that day I heard this message and I was challenged. My lukewarmness was challenged. And I realized that day, I was very convicted, um, and, and I realized that I was unwilling to surrender to Christ. I was unwilling to become one who was hot 
one who was all out and fully committed to the Lord. And I, and I left that day very convicted, but unwilling to turn to Christ. And so you cannot be indifferent, you see. What Jesus is saying, you can't be indifferent to Jesus. Uh, you, you cannot be apathetic about him. Uh, there, you know, we all have things that we are enthused about. Uh, but you cannot be not enthused about Jesus if you claim to know him. And, and, and Timothy, <clears throat> on the other hand, you see, Timothy had a genuine faith. Uh, I didn't that day. I realized, and it, and it kind of helped me to see where I stood with the Lord. It, it, that sermon kind of drew a line. It's like, I'm not on the right side of that line. I knew that, that I didn't know Christ. Uh, I had to come face to face with that. But Timothy, Paul said, I know you have a genuine faith. And though it seems he was on the timid side as far as his personality goes, there's nothing really here that would indicate that he was sinfully so at this point. Uh, Commentators differ on that. Uh, I don't think it implies that he was sinfully negligent in his walk with God. But I think... What Paul is, is saying that, you know, Timothy just, he needs encouragement. He needs uh, to be reminded, as we all do, to rekindle the fire of God in his heart. Um, and, you know, I need this sermon this week, <laughs> by the way. I, I, I will tell you the last few days, I have not felt on fire for the Lord at all. And so I need this message. I'm, I'm praying about it. Um, but... You know, you and I, we all need to be reminded of to stir up, to to fan into flame uh, the gift of God. So remember this. If God has saved you, he indwells you and he has called you to a holy calling. Yes, he's called you to serve him in some way. That's another thing that I learned a few years later when we were in a church and and I realized hearing the the preacher uh, teach one Wednesday night, I think it was, is that I cannot just sit and soak everything in. I must give and serve. And there's something for me to do for the Lord in this world. I didn't know what it was at the time. But uh, this is this is what God, he's called all of us to serve him in some way. And so when the Holy Spirit came into your life, the flame was lit. Okay. Uh, in your soul. Uh, he gave you a desire uh, to, to worship Him, to love Him, uh, to, uh, to, to, to want to know Him better. Uh, you began to, at least at some point, find a, a group of Christians, find a church to associate with, to worship. Um, but if we neglect to stir up that fire to keep it going, it, it will, we will cool off. We'll find ourselves... On the fence, we'll find ourselves being lukewarm fairly quickly. Uh, and, of course, that's never acceptable. It's just not. <laughs> it's not acceptable. And, uh, you see, Jesus laid down his life for us. He gave everything. He held nothing back. Uh, and zeal for God's kingdom consumed him. But zeal for your soul and my soul consumed him. He went to the cross. He was zealous enough to be willing to die that we might... Know him and be saved. So, uh, Timothy was called to preach the word, to shepherd the flock. Um, But Pastor Pastor John MacArthur writes this. He says, every Christian is called to a life of ministry. 
and it's to follow the example of pastors. So Paul's instructions to Timothy apply to each and every one of us, no matter what our gift or our ministry. Uh, I don't know if some of you have heard of Vance Habner. I had some quotes from, uh, by him in the bulletin, but he was a well-known country preacher uh, from the hills of North Carolina. He wasn't polished, uh, but he knew the word and he preached the word well. And he, said, he notes that Timothy was not exhorted to stir up himself. It's not our fire, but God's that we are to kindle. And so we've got to keep the Lord burning, uh, the fire of the Lord burning in our souls as as hotly and as brightly as possible. And, and uh, Mr. Reverend Havner goes on to say, he says, if for any reason the fire has become coals, stir up the gift of God. Keep a glow at any cost. No price is too great to pay to be a burning and shining light for him. Um, so that brings up the question, you know, how do we actually stir up the fire? This is metaphorical language, okay? You're not literally burning right now. Uh, it's a metaphor. So how do we translate that to concrete reality? How do we become on fire for the Lord? How do we maintain that fire? Well, the first step is to come to grips with your spiritual condition. When you go to the doctor's office, one of the first things they do, besides weigh you, uh, is to take your temperature, right? It used to be stick the thermometer in your mouth. Wait a minute. Now they just do a little zip on your head or whatever. And uh, why do they do that? Because your temperature is an indicator of your health. It doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you something. What is your spiritual temperature right now? And be honest with yourself. Uh, it's between you and the Lord. Uh, and there's no need to pretend to be something you're not. The Lord knows what you are, what I am. But when we admit what we are, when we correctly assess our spiritual temperature, then we're in a position to do something about it. Um, secondly, if we realize that our fire for the Lord is has gotten uh, cold or lukewarm, we should ask ourselves, is there anything that, that I have done uh, or that I have been doing that tends to smother that fire, um, to dampen that fire. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit. Well, of course, all the rains we've gotten lately, we, we're so thankful for that, but not, not a good time to do outdoor burning. Well, maybe it is a good time, uh, you know, because when it's so dry, it's, it's really not a good time, but uh, with all the rain, obviously, uh, that fire is going to be quenched. Well, how do we quench the spirit? Well, certainly by not living a holy life. The spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit. And uh, he indwells us and he aims to make us holy. We will quench him if we, and we will grieve him if we are not seeking to live a holy life. He is holy. And God says, I am holy. Therefore, you uh, be holy. So when we confess our sins, when we turn away from them, then we cease to, to quench the spirit. Uh, pride itself is probably the greatest thing that quenches the spirit of God. Uh, you know, God says, I will not share my glory with another. But when we, through our pride, want to, to have the glory, um, we do, don't give God the glory, that certainly will quench the spirit. And also when our hearts are wrapped up in earthly things, 
worldly things, weighed down with the cares of this world, uh, then we certainly will quench the Spirit. Another way we quench the Spirit is, is by neglecting to fully be, be fully involved in the life and fellowship of the church. You all know that a fire is usually built with lots of different either pieces of coal or you know, pieces of wood. Um, and an old preacher uh, talked about being uh, back in his home country of Scotland and going to uh, an old uh, uh, an elder's home one day and, and where they had like I guess they had a wood stove and it was they heated it with coal and it was in the middle of the house and and they were sitting around the fire and the and the elder takes the pair of tongs and he takes a coal out of the out of the the, the wood stove and just holds it in the tongs and he said it was amazing how quickly it went out and the reason it went out is because it wasn't in there with the rest of the coals. Uh, that we're burning brightly. So by ourselves, on our own, we tend to go out more quickly. And so we need to be involved in the life of the church. We need to have fellowship with one another and, and make full use of the means of grace and the opportunities that we have uh, in God's church. Uh, the person who is only nominally involved um, is not likely to be on, on fire, to be honest. Uh, but you say, well, does God really want me to be on fire? I mean, that sounds to me extreme. It sounds, you know, that I'll become a, a raging fanatic. Um, people are going to think, you know, I'm crazy and, and so forth. Uh, well, they did call, uh, you know, the apostles and the servants fools for Christ. So, you know, you might not be able to avoid that. But Romans 12:11 says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So this idea of zeal and fervency is, is all connected to what we're talking about today. Uh, if we become lazy, if we lag behind in the Christian life, um, we're not going to honor God. The word fervent in Romans 12:11 is it's the idea of heating uh, to the boiling point, uh, to be very hot. And, uh, and but the Bible says that zeal needs to be according to knowledge. Uh, zeal, for example, if you couple zeal with false teaching, what do you have? Uh, you may have the beginnings of a cult. <laughs> you have a problem. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster. Paul accused the unbelieving Jews of his day in Romans 10 too. He says, I bear them witness. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Uh, and they didn't have the knowledge of Christ, which was everything. Um, and there are a lot of churches, there are preachers, there are Christians today who might be zealous, they might be excited, they might be enthusiastic, but they're leading Christian, other, others into error because they have unsound doctrine. And, you know, the, the fire of the Spirit of God, it includes light and heat. And, and, and heat is a metaphor for, the, for our excitement, our enthusiasm, and light is a metaphor for truth. So you have to have doctrinal soundness. We need to study the Bible. But we also need to have uh, that spiritual enthusiasm that, that's coupled with it, the fire in our souls. So God wants us to be heated up in order to serve Him. And to serve Him, how? According to His Word. In, in 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul told Timothy... Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. That 
you couple that together with today's verse, and you, you have the balance uh, that you need. So fire is, is for, it's fuel for service to God. It's not an end in and of itself. And, and that reminds me of another way that, that, that we stir up the gift of God in this. We stir up the gift of God by actually exercising those gifts uh, and developing those gifts in our lives. Uh, Douglas Milne in his excellent little commentary writes that like the parts of the body, the gifts of the spirit will atrophy unless constantly used and exercised. Think of the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. Uh, remember, a talent um, was a monetary unit. And uh, one study Bible I looked at said that is equal to about 20 years of wages for labor. So it's, we're talking about one talent. That's a lot. Okay. And um, 20 years wages. But in the parable, one man was given five talents and he takes it and he turns it into ten talents. And then another one was given two talents, and he took the two talents and gained two more. And then one man was given one talent, and what did he do? He buries it in the ground. He doesn't do anything with it. And, uh, and, the, and the Lord returns and says, you know, ask for each person to give an account. And uh, everybody gave their account, and the one who had one talent, uh, you know, said, well, I took your talent and buried it. And I, and I was afraid. Basically, that was his that was his sin. He was fearful to do anything, and maybe he was scared to lose it, and uh, and and not gain. He wouldn't take any risk at all. And and the and the Lord comes back and says, "You wicked and lazy servant, uh, take the talent from him and give it to one who the one who has ten talents." The point there is, use it or lose it. Uh, are you using your gifts? You say, I don't have any gifts or I don't know what they are. Um, even if you can't identify your particular gift, just do what the scriptures command you to do. The things that you know the Bible says you ought to do. You will discover your gift perhaps as you, uh, as you do that. But the point is, you may not have the gift of evangelism. But the Bible tells, commands you to witness. You say, well, I don't have the gift of giving. That's, that's listed in one of the spiritual gifts, uh, the gift of giving. Uh, but you're called to tithe and to be a generous giver to help meet the needs of uh, others. So you may not have the gift of preaching, but you are called to take the word of God and to uh, pass it on to others. And... Um, there's also gifts of service. I don't have the gift of serving. But the Bible commands us through love, serve one another. So can't get away from it, uh, no matter what your gift is. But by exercising your gifts, by doing what the Lord commands, um, giving obedience to the revealed will of God, you will keep that fire burning brightly. You keep the fire going. Uh, and, and the last thing I would mention in order to stir up the smoldering embers of your Christian life uh, there is no substitute for spending time alone with God in prayer to do heart search, searching. Your, search, search your heart and pray. Search me, O God, and try me. Show me if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Uh, and seek God. Seek the Lord while he may be found, the Bible says. 
seek him. I mentioned last week that that every great servant of God was great in prayer. There are no exceptions. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I was listening to a message this week and and, and the individual was talking about the, the historical uh, setting uh, in, in Jesus' day and, and the nature of things were, you know, you and I can easily find places to get alone. Um, maybe hard because we won't cut our phones and computers off these days. That's, that's, that's what we need to deal with. But in their homes, you know, the only place you could really go to be alone was just a small closet in the middle of the house. And that's what Jesus is really talking about. He says, go to your closet and pray. Be alone with God. And he says, your father who's in the secret place, he sees in secret and he will reward you openly. And then in Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So make the focus of your prayer time deal, dealing with spiritual matters. We always ask for earthly blessings. That's a given. Uh, we're going to do that. But God wants us to seek out the best blessings, the spiritual blessings, the blessings of the spirit. And that's how we maintain this. Part of the way we maintain that fire on the altar of our hearts. So let me ask you this question as we as we wind down here. Do you have a desire to be on fire for the Lord? <laughs> Do you really want that in your life? Well, Jesus wants that for you. Jesus said, I would rather you be hot. I'd rather you be hot or cold. Be, you know, declare yourself. Don't sit on the fence, okay? Imagine, as small as our congregation is, but imagine what God would do if every person in this room literally, not I mean spiritually, became on fire for the Lord. I meant to say spiritually. <laughs> yeah, imagine if it was literal. That would be a sight. Not a good sight. And uh, if the fire of the Lord has cooled off, if your heart is rather just indifferent, lukewarm, then obviously something needs to change. You, you can't go on doing the same things and expect a different result, as we like to say. So what do you think needs to change in your life this morning for, the t- for your spiritual temperature to start to rise? Start with one area. I would say, and, and and leave here this morning and write it down if you need to, or just make sure you think about this thing and say, this is this area needs to be dealt with because I'm quenching the spirit, or this area needs to be dealt with because that will enable me to 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 uh, become zealous for the Lord. Um, and take this thought in, in, and pray over it this week when you do find those times to get alone with God and. Again, you know, maybe there's a habit you need to, to deal with and to, 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 to stop in your life. Maybe there's a new habit you need to begin uh, as well. And uh, maybe there's a new commitment uh, that you could make. Whatever it is, you come up with your own uh, ideas. You, you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. Start somewhere. Start today. Be determined 
that you're not going to continue in that lukewarm, somewhat cooled off condition. Uh, start seeking, start stirring up, and start serving the Lord. You know, Jesus, as I said earlier, stirred up his soul to go to the cross for you. Can you and I not stir ourselves up to live for him? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Let us pray.